Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club with your hosts, Caitlin and Kirsty. Tune in as experts share their insights to help grow your business with higher sales, creative marketing, and kick arse business strategies. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Pet Photographers Club. I'm Kirsty of Bits of Bernard Photography. And I'm Caitlin of Ragamuffin Pet Photography. And today we have a very special guest for you for season one, episode two of the Pet Photographers Club podcast. We're so excited to bring on this amazing photographer, author, and businesswoman. So let's dive right in. Our guest today is a Yale graduate in psychology, family photographer, author, mother, and the brilliant mind behind psychology for photographers. She helps creatives all around the world understand their clients, improve their writing, and inject their businesses with personality. It's the brilliant Jenica McDavid. Welcome to the Fat Photographers Club, Jenica. Thank you for having me. Yay! We had a few technical difficulties to start with. I'm so glad that we've finally um, sorted all that on and we can dive in. How's your day been? It's been fantastic. So you have a new baby daughter, is that right? Correct. She's three months old now and she's my second, so we have a little circus here with oh. a couple of kids now, so, but it's great. It's, it's fun. How's it been going? Oh, it's been good. You know, it's crazy. Anytime you add another person to your family, you know, there's just this explosion of like things as everything, everybody adjusts to everybody else and what's going on. And But yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful that we get to do this and so it's been fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm a long-time fangirl of you. Oh. <laughs> I've been reading Psychology for Photographers, your blog, for years, and I did your um, Irresistible Words workshop, I think it was, years ago that was now. Um, but when me and Kirsty were discussing which guests would be helpful for our listeners to bring on, you were one of the first names that came up because I think it's just such amazing work that you that you do sort of opening it up and it's a real new take on business rather than it just being focused on numbers, which I feel like a lot of other educators are doing. For our listener who isn't aware of psychology for photography, how would you sort of sum up what it is that you do? Photography is, well, any business, but especially photography is fundamentally about people. You're asking people to look at your work. You're asking people to hire you. You're asking people to feel comfortable, you know, taking their photograph, which is a very personal thing. Uh, no matter how you slice it, it's very personal. Um, you're asking people to purchase from you, which means you're going to have to understand how do they make decisions about money? How do they make decisions about how they evaluate advertising and who they're going to hire? How do they decide who they're going to trust with their money? And so just all of the things that I studied in psychology, I have a master's degree in psychology. When I started a family photography business while I was still in graduate school, I just realized I'm using all of this as a photographer and I wanted to teach it to other people because it was making my life both easier business-wise, but also just less stressful because I understood things that were going on and I didn't feel the need to be like, oh my gosh, like what's happening when something would happen? I was like, oh, well, I understand what's happening. And I just wanted to share that with other people because that confidence is really valuable in business. Yeah, absolutely. So did you start the Psychology for Photographers blog sort of concurrently when you launched your photography business or how did that 
come about? No, I started my photography business still in graduate school. And it wasn't until after I left that I was like, oh, maybe I should blog about this. And I didn't think anyone was going to read it. I was like, this is a really geeky thing. I don't think anyone's going to read it. (laughs) And then suddenly it kind of exploded. And, you know, people really are interested in other people just as a, you know, baseline. So I should have anticipated that. Um, I I should say I have been on family leave from my photography um, for some health reasons Mm -hmm. related to having my kids. But um, I did run a photography business and we're going to see how things go, you know, after our family gets up and running from having six, the second kid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I have worked with clients for a long time in, in various stripes. So yeah. For people who haven't been on your site yet, maybe, um, you know, what is it that you are actually offering? Like you have some courses and a book and. Yes. Yeah, so, so, well, first of all, and I should, I, I really mean this. Um, my priority with my website is I want people to learn something. Anytime they open an email from me, anytime they go on my blog, there's hundreds of thousands of words of free education. I just, I really want people to be aware of this. There are three classes that I teach that are, are you pay for a seat in them. Um, one of them is called Irresistible Website. And that is about how do you define your target? client and then how do you tailor your website to them because your website should be the best salesperson you've ever had uh, and most people find their mm. website is not so that is about how to bridge that gap I have another class called Irresistible Words, which is how do you fill that website with persuasive copy, which is a whole (laughs) different topic. And not only that, but how do you blog that people actually want to read? I've heard people say, oh, blogs are dead. And certainly they're not what they were in like 2008, but they still are a very valuable tool. Um, And it's about how do you tell stories and how how do you talk about things in a way that people actually want to read. And then the third class that I offer is called Irresistible You, which talks about how do you inject your own personality into your business? And what are the benefits of that? Like, it's not just like, oh, we're here to talk about ourselves. <laughs> um, some people feel like awkward talking about themselves or they feel egotistical. And that's not it at all. There's some psychological benefits to making sure people know who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. It makes them trust you more. And that you know, everyone always says to me, like, when, when I work one-on-one with people on their copywriting for their websites, which I do sometimes, they'll always say, like, oh, I'm not that interesting. You have to be interesting to get as many followers as so-and-so. Everyone has, like, a so-and-so. Mm-hmm. They follow, like, oh, that person's just naturally interesting, so everyone follows them. That's not true. There are certain methods that popular people use that other people can use, too. And that, that anyway, that class teaches, talks about that. Cool. I think that's interesting. Me and Kirsty were discussing the other day because Kirsty's been starting to share a little bit more of her personal life on social media, <laughs> which I picked up on because I feel like previously, Kirsty, you've sort of kept just photography and then you've started posting photos of your dogs and like from your sister's wedding and just opening up a little more in that, which I feel like for a lot of people is a scary thing to do. Is that sort of what you're talking about Mm -hmm. yeah the classes explores all of the facets with that how do you do it how do you talk about yourself without talking too much about yourself like how do you stay comfortable with it Mm -hmm. and also how do you um make sure you stay professional (laughs) because that's a concern some people have yeah anyway and I don't mean to be cryptic I mean I can give some examples that's just what the whole class is about I can't (laughs) yeah okay so so for example um one one consideration people make is well why would I even talk about myself like I'm not that interesting that's what I always hear Mm -hmm. um and really 
one thing that drives human beings in general is that we're is something that psychologists call fear of loss. So we're all afraid that you know we're gonna we're gonna buy something and it's gonna turn out to be a lemon, or we're gonna spend a lot of time on something mm. and it's gonna turn out to be terrible. And so, contrary to what we would like to think, that we sort of evaluate all of our options and we pick the best possible one, what drives a lot of our decisions is well, this one looks like it's gonna be okay. I feel safe doing this, so I'm just gonna go ahead and go with it. Mm-hmm. And when you let people get to know you as a person, um, yes, yes, of course, they can go on your website, see your portfolio, but you're still an unknown to them if they don't you know who you are, if they just find you on Google or social media or even if a friend recommended you. Um, but if they go to your you know, social media feed or your blog and they see you talking about your dog and they see you telling a story about what you did with your dog last weekend, there's this inner sigh of relief like, oh, I did that last weekend too. This person's just like me. Relatability. Yeah, mm-hmm. relatability and trust. There's that trust like, oh, that person's just like me, therefore they're not creepy or whatever adjective <laughs> they might be concerned about. And th- those me too moments of like, oh my gosh, that person loves watching that TV show, me too. Oh my gosh, that person has a golden doodle, I do too. Oh my, you know, mm-hmm. they all of those points of connection not only serve to um, make them interested in you as a person because you, you know, you want to get to know them more, but also just like, Oh, they're just like me. They're going to understand me. They're going to understand the issues that I face. They're going to understand my concerns because they've been in that place too. And that's a big thing. People might not know, especially people who haven't hired a photographer before. They don't really know how this process works. Mm -hmm. Are they going to photograph me? Well, are they going to photograph my dog? Well, um, what if my dog doesn't behave and it, the more they trust like you as a person that you're just a normal person, that you're just like them, they can see like, Oh, this person's going to be reasonable. And all of those fears that you expend so much energy trying to overcome to get them to hire you kind of happen naturally without mm-hmm. all of those words to tell them like, Oh, really? I'm a really good photographer. <laughs> please, please trust me. Take my word for it. <laughs> yeah. And so how would you, um, we were talking about this as well, weren't we, Caitlin, yesterday? Um, you know, how do you know where the line is, I suppose, between, um, you know, how much is too much? So I could give an example of myself, I suppose. Like Caitlin said, I've just started sharing some stuff, which kind of has happened mm-hmm. organically. Um, but my partner's dog, who <laughs> I don't really claim as my own, um, <laughs> which a lot of my clients wouldn't like to hear that, you know, because they're like, oh, you should love all dogs, but they don't have to live with her. They, I was going to say, they haven't met Roxy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, she's got a lot of issues and we're working through them at the moment. And so that was one of the things that I shared um, on my Instagram recently that, you know, I've just put up um, a post saying, you know, this is Roxy. My dog shares her home with Roxy. And, um, you know, this is, this is the deal with her. Like she's messed up and um, I'll keep you updated as to how she's going with her new medication. So that's something that I was quite hesitant in sharing because I thought, like I had this nice photo of her and I wanted to post it because it it um it showed how far she's come. Like she looks relaxed in her face, which is the first time I've like ever been able to photograph that and yada yada. Um, but I thought, oh, is by sharing this going to raise more questions from potential clients on, you know, does she really know dogs? Like, or is it going to actually you know, um, show that I'm real. And, you know, I also have a dog that isn't perfect and not perfect is okay. You know? So what, like in that sort of situation, would you say, 
you know, share a little but not a lot or like what's, what's the sort of general advice, I suppose? Well, one of the things I talk about in the class is that you need to sit down first and decide how well do I want my client to know me? So mm-hmm. a fun exercise with this actually is if you imagine your like your ideal client um, as one person, mm-hmm. um, how close of a friend would I want to be to that person? And would, would it be the kind of person that I would just talk to once a year and like see them at the grocery store and be like, oh, hi, how are you been? Or is it the kind of person that you would... Facebook message once a month to check in is the kind of person you'd be really good friends with and text every day. Now, I'm not saying you actually are going to be this close of friends with everyone, but that's just one natural way to judge like, okay, well, how close of a friend do I treat this imaginary, like ideal target client as? Mm-hmm. Um, and some people really, really do want that distance. They want that professional distance. They don't feel comfortable. Other people think, you know what, my target client, I tend to be good friends with them anyway. They're the kind of person that I see on Facebook and I'm comfortable with them seeing, you know, what I'm doing every day and you know we check in so you just have to decide for yourself where you Mm -hmm. fall on that spectrum and there's no right or wrong it's just what do you want but once you make that decision all the other subsequent decisions get a lot easier so for example um when i send an email to my accountant i don't spend any time deciding well what does he really want to hear from me because i know what he wants to hear from me like he wants to hear a little bit about my family and then he just wants the numbers that i'm sending him (laughs) Um, whereas my graphic designer like we have this really close relationship i know what she wants to hear from me so we're actually human beings in general we're really good at judging like what other people want to hear from us the only thing you have to decide is what is this relationship going to be and because because it's hard to have a relationship with an audience, like an audience is an amorphous entity. <laughs> if you just think of your target client as one person um, but, and, and how close to that relationship you want, that's going to make all those decisions easier. Mm, that's good, good advice. There's something called in psychology called the pratfall effect, where if it's like, let's say you're in a job interview and you spill coffee on yourself or something, okay. most people will be like, oh no, it's like the worst thing that ever happened. Mm-hmm. But actually, um, research has shown that in most situations, a little blunder like that actually improves people's opinions. Really? Of you. Yeah, um, because it, it shows that you're real. It shows that you... Um, yeah, like you're normal and, and also it's just, you're relatable and you're not this sort of perfect thing. Like everyone understands intuitively that human beings aren't perfect. And if all we ever do is present a sanitized face, it's actually not trustworthy. Maybe it's a good thing that I seem to fall down at least once in every photo shoot. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot stay on my feet for the entire shoot. It's impossible. (laughs) So, so to me, something like, you know, my, you know, my partner's dog is having these challenges. That's, it seems like a nor- you can't control what an animal is going through, you know, like that, that's, that's who they are. And you, you sharing that, I'm sure that any person who's ever cared for an animal has had situations like that, where they, something was happening to, that they wished wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. And okay. it's extremely relatable. What it's honestly going to do is remind them of themselves and they're going to okay. automatically go to their own mental stories and how they can relate to it. So, um, and, and, unless you, you fall into that category of, no, I just really don't want anyone to know anything about me. And that's making a decision about the type of client you're going to appeal to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, there's, I don't see that there's anything wrong with that. So, so that was kind of a long answer, but <laughs> no, that makes sense. I have quite an in-depth booking form because I am definitely on the, within the, that spectrum, I'm very high up on the, I just want my clients to know everything about me and let's be friends. And I do have 
lots of clients who started out as clients and then became friends and in Kirsty's case then started a podcast with me so it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm big on sharing a lot about me and all of that sort of thing and then it really kind of every now and then I'll get a client who fills in this booking form my booking form has a lot of questions about their lifestyle and them and all of that sort of thing which is definitely something I learned from you Jenica um <laughs> but so I have all of that and then it really throws me when I have a client come along who obviously is much more private and as a photographer I would consider them not one of my ideal clients because I struggle to make that personal connection with them which is something important in my work mm-hmm. so I feel like it definitely would go both ways and like I personally would prefer to work with people who want to share a little bit about themselves with me and for it to go vice versa. Um, In terms of sort of working out that the irresistible you in, in your words, do you have advice for listeners to start trying to distill that into something that is easy to share? There's an author named Barbara Beig. I don't actually know how to pronounce her last name. Sorry, Barbara. Um, And she, she said something like, you know, we, we all, would assume that a baseball team or a football team would practice before they go out and play a game. It would be mm-hmm. absurd to suggest that they wouldn't. But most of us write in performance conditions. So like we only, we, the only writing we tend to do in our lives is, you know, in school we have an essay that's going to get graded and, right. you, you know, in business we're writing something that's going to go out to an audience. So there's all this like pressure around it. And so honestly, what I, when I started to explore this for myself several years ago, I started just writing little short stories on Facebook, like on my own personal Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of would, I would post because I like photography, I would post a photo instead of just doing a caption like cool sunset tonight um I would share like just a little like funny story from the day I I tend to be a bit self-deprecating um so I just sort of found this sort of blend of humor that worked for me that was you know funny self-deprecating serious like observations about the world and it was just really interesting to see what my friends interacted and what resonated Mm -hmm. with them and sometimes I would share like a struggle I was going through and I would be surprised at how many people would comment and the more I did this you know normally not and I don't I by no means think that Facebook likes are important, but as an, as the, the terrible useless indicator that they are, you know, it used to be when I'd post a personal post, I would get, you know, 10 to 20 likes. And after I did this for just a couple of months, I was getting a hundred plus likes mm-hmm. and like 20 comments on just like a normal Facebook post on my own private page. And I was like, well, oh, this is interesting. Um, and so I guess what I'm saying is you don't have to start out doing this in your business. If it makes you nervous, right. you can just start out doing it on your own Facebook because chances are a lot of your target clients are going to be somewhat like the people you're already friends with. And so sort of seeing what your friends interact with and how they react to you and just practicing this a little bit before you go live, so to speak. Yeah. That's a good way to start if it makes you nervous. I don't know if that answers your question. No, that's fantastic advice. Yeah, definitely. And so then would you recommend like when you do start introducing that into your business, is there a particular channel that's a good way? Like, you know, is it best to just start dropping in some stories to your clients like in person while you're shooting or is it best to, you know, put up an Instagram post or should you write a full blog post or just whatever sort of goes with your personality? 
Well, in terms of when you're just starting out, trying it out, I would start with whatever channel is going to get you the most interesting sort of immediate useful feedback. So um, so in person, it's great because you can kind of see as you're just sharing stories in the shoot, you know, you're relating to people, you're getting instant feedback because they're standing right there. (laughs) Um, In terms of writing, which is a little bit different, writing for an audience is a little different than having a conversation. Um, Whichever social media feed that you refresh the most is probably going to give you the most, like just the quickest rough gauge of like, Oh, did this one, maybe this one landed, maybe this one didn't. Um, you do have to do it more than once though, because if you post it and you happen to post on Friday afternoon, mm-hmm. uh, nobody really interacts with social media yeah. on Friday afternoon. I don't know if you've noticed that yeah. but, um, <laughs> you see, you might think, Oh no, that bombed, but it really, it was just, that it was a Friday afternoon. So just like try it every other day for like a couple of weeks and, um, it, it'll just, it'll give you a, a chance to see. And then I don't, I don't think blog posts are more permanent, but they tend not to get that immediate feedback. Not as many people leave comments these days, even though people definitely do still read blogs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's a useful thing. Or you can introduce a, a blog post through an Instagram post or something like that. But but I, mm-hmm. I would just start with, with whichever gets you the quickest feedback, just so you can see how things are working for you. Because what you do is going to be different than what I do. Mm-hmm. So it's such a fascinating topic. But let's quickly... Um, dive back into the toolbox of success that we're collecting with all our guests, if you don't mind, Jenica. Mm-hmm. So do you have any sort of recommended apps or tools that you would share with our listeners? Yes. And <laughs> I actually, mine is very low tech, so I hope that's okay. Yeah, that's cool. I'm interpreting the word tools very broadly. So um, I don't know if you've ever read Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. Um, a lot of creative people have heard of it or encountered it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's the, in it at the very beginning, she introduces the idea of what she calls morning pages, which is where you sit down, you start your day by writing three pages longhand, just go like no one's going to read it. You're not even supposed to reread it. You just dump everything that's in your mind onto paper. And from that emerges all sorts of wonderful things about what is uncomfortable in my life. What do I really want? How, how are there mismatches between what I'm doing and what I want to be doing? Um, it's, it's really like journaling, but it's even less refined than that because it's really hard to lie to yourself on paper. <laughs> and it's even harder, like even if you start out like, yay, I'm working on this thing today, except, you know, I'm not really that excited about it and I'd rather be doing this and this. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess as a tool, what I like about that process and that practice is that it keeps you sort of in tune with what you really want to be doing, which keeps you from getting burned out. Yeah. What did you call that process? Sorry, Jennifer? It's called morning pages. Oh, I feel like that's something that I would, I like the idea of and I would start it and it would last me like four days. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to try Joe just like to sit and do it one time um you might find that it's easier than you think Mm because again we're used to writing under performance conditions you're like oh my gosh three pages like that's like an essay holy cow Mm -hmm. you're just writing and you don't have to refine and all it is is just straight thoughts on the paper um I think it's a great idea I know whenever I go camping or hiking or traveling on my own I usually take pen and paper and that's the time that I would do stuff like that or just sit on like a nice sand dune and and write for an hour or something which is something in everyday life I wouldn't normally do maybe I should try that (laughs) I um I did used to do morning pages actually and then sort of stopped and now I'm like yes I should definitely start that again I do something every morning where I write down without reading the previous day like my goals for the year Mm. um 
So morning pages would definitely be expanding on that. I think I might pick that up again. I have my notebook for that somewhere locked away after my move. So yeah, that's awesome. I have to say I have spoken with just through my work and through my husband's work, I have opportunities to talk to a lot of different professionals of all stripes. And I've been really surprised that when I talk to someone who's really top of their field and excellent, and I'm able to have a lengthy conversation with them, how often this comes up, this practice comes up. Really? Yeah. It's shocking how many people use this and, and how many really, truly amazing people credit a lot of their success to it. So that's part of why I recommend it. It's not just that I like it, but it comes up over and over and in people that I really admire and respect. So there you mm-hmm. go. <laughs> the Miracle Morning um, book by Hal Alvord, I think his name is, recommends something similar. I think it's that he has seven different habits that you start your day with for successful people. And one of those habits is writing something similar to morning pages. So I'm definitely not surprised to hear that that's a key to success that you find over and over again as well. I'm definitely excited to bring it back. It means me awesome. Cool. And what about a book then? Is that The Artist's Way? Yeah. Well, yeah. So that's that's a fantastic book that I recommend. Um, another book would be Art and Art and Fear by Bales and Orland. I don't know what their first names are. Gosh, I'm bad with names today. Like, sorry, guys. Their last <laughs> names are Bales and Orland. Um, but it's, it's one of those books. It's about art in general and just how it relates to fear. And it was creepy the first time I read it, how many of my thought processes about like, oh, I have to have the best materials before I can start making this thing. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, just like all of the ways that we get in our own way, they, they write down on paper and you're like, oh, I guess I should stop doing, oh, okay, okay, oh, right. <laughs> um, and it's just wonderful to, to see your own blocks be reflected back to you in a really compassionate and insightful way. So I love, I love that book. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'll add that to my list. And do you have a favorite, like, person that inspires you or a podcast or something like that? So I, you know, it was funny because I, I tend to read and listen outside the photography space yeah. and outside, I, even outside the business space, because I feel that when you, it, it's easy to just sort of, it's like you're on an airplane and you're just breathing recycled air, you know, <laughs> when, when everybody just like, if you, all you do is ever follow other photographers. So I'm big on that as well, actually. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, three books that I've listed are all fiction and they're all just like random novels that are nothing to do with business okay. or photography. So go for it. If it's something else, that's totally fine. <laughs> okay. Okay. So well, what I was going to say is I what I spent, spent a lot of time paying attention to is people who are really good at storytelling because mm-hmm. that's what hopefully that's what you do in photography. Um, hopefully that's what you're going to be doing alongside with your photography, like what we were talking about earlier, telling personal stories. Um, so what I do is just spend a lot of time with people who are good at telling stories. So I'll listen to a podcast like This American Life. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody loves Iron Glass. You can't not love Iron Glass. Um, just little snippets from people's lives. Um, and then because I, I write a lot, there's several places online where you can take university classes online. 
um, for yeah. free. So mm-hmm. y- Yale has one called Open Yale Courses. Um, if you just Google that, that you can take tons of really great classes. Just listen to the lectures for free. So I'll listen to them while I'm doing my um, like doing the dishes or something. And I always find these just really interesting pieces of information. A lot of it actually ends up working its way onto my blog, even though it might not have anything to do with photography. But it's like yeah. an interesting story that I'll pull inside the photography space. I'll say uh, Rachel Brenke, who runs the Law Tog, is fantastic and um, does a really good job of like keeping everyone in like reminding you like yeah you need to have your ducks in a row so definitely check her out too so there's a page i'm on i think that is run by her or yeah. something and yeah there seems to be really good advice especially applicable to um americans because i think she's american she has she actually has australian contracts up on the law talk now for any of our Aussie listeners. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Good to know. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and then finally, Jenica, do you have a favorite quote? Just because me and Kirsty love to collect quotes. Oh, absolutely. Um, so the one that I used to have over my desk <laughs> is, and I don't actually know, this has been attributed to multiple people because it's appeared in different forms over the years, but the, the essential quote is, Opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. Oh. I, I love that because everything I've ever accomplished and all the opportunities I've ever had honestly has been a result of me sitting down at a laptop somewhere and just starting something. Um, and it's usually been a ton of work before it's turned into something. But everything good that's happened to me is, has, I shouldn't say everything, <laughs> most of the good things that happened to me have come as a result of that. So, um there you go. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing those. I'm like really looking forward to diving into the books in particular. Um, I was just wondering if there was one key piece of advice that you would give our listeners looking to start changing the the way that they approach their clients and the way that they talk to their clients. Um, what would that be? It's a great question. When I was in graduate school, um, we would design and run psychology experiments. And my advisor always said, before you go live with a psychology experiment, you need to run through it as a subject of the experiment. So we were doing um, fMRI brain scanning. And you would have to do your whole, te- like you'd have to go in the brain scanner, <laughs> like lay on the little thing bed, you got to hold still for an hour. He said, in, if you don't um, do like go through the process yourself as the person on the receiving end, you're going to miss a lot of stuff. You're going to, you're going to not realize that like fatigue kind of kicks in at the 40 minute mark. And so all the data you have after that point is going to be useless. You're not going to realize, Oh, there's like a, a fan blowing in here and it makes it, it makes you blink a lot, which is going to make you hard, hard to do this experiment. And anyway, um, I've applied that to, you know, all my business ventures and I would recommend it to you too. So if you are a photographer and you haven't hired a photographer, re- photographer recently, you really should try going and hiring a photographer mm-hmm. because the minute you step out of, you know, take off your photographer hat and put on a client hat thing, the world looks very different. <laughs> um, suddenly, yeah. even though you understand the value of photography very well, um, suddenly you find yourself thinking about pricing differently. Uh, you find yourself, mm-hmm. like even when you're being photographed, um, you find the the concerns on your mind are different. You might even find yourself doing the things that your clients do that always drive you nuts. And you're like, oh my gosh, like stop fixing your hair. It's fine. And then you find yourself doing it. Um, it, it once you're in the seat, um, you're going to learn a lot about 
about what your client's experiences are so that and take notes. And then when you come back to work on your own business, it'll help you think about how do I talk to my people? Because I just experienced that. Here were all the worries I had. And now I can address those worries um, with the, 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 that people have, you know, about like, is my, my dog going to behave or how am I going to look? And, um, what does this and this mean? Cause every photographer has like their own lingo around pricing and around products. And, um, anyway, that'll, it'll make it clear what you need to clarify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, really strongly agree with that. Actually, Jenica, I, um, I try to organize a photo shoot every single year in January or February, um, which you guys don't have to go out and do that, but that's sort of my thing, I guess. I'm not doing it as like free mentoring or anything, but I do it so that I can experience, um, you know, how it feels to be the client and and, oh, and pick someone that you don't know and that, um, you know, at all and don't ask for discounts, pay full price because that's part of feeling like your client. Mm-hmm. Um so one of my first or second ones was with Caitlin and yeah, I remember during the time she's there going like, don't do that. Don't do this. And I'm going, Oh shit. I told my clients not to do those things. You know? <laughs> um, but like the day of the shoot, I had like clothes all over my bedroom and I like texted Katie and I'm like, I don't know what to wear. And like, we weren't even friends yet. Like, I don't know what to wear. I tell clients every day what to wear and I don't know what to wear, mm-hmm. you know? So just things like that, I think were really important. I think that's a really good, um, a tip that you've given out there I, and I highly recommend it as well. I think it's um it's actually really interesting that you said that because I'm the complete opposite of you, Kirsty. I've been wanting to go ahead and hire a photographer um, for like years now and it's something that I keep meaning to get around to and I just haven't done it yet. Like I really want like a whole shoot with my family and all of these sorts of things. And then there's little things in the back of my head that's just, well, when I lose another five kilos, I'll actually do that. Or when I'm a little less busy with work, I'll actually do that and blah, blah, blah. And it's just occurred to me when Jenica was saying that, like, oh, huh. When I'm always wondering why my clients don't, you know, go ahead and book or they, they, I have so many clients who heartbreakingly wait until, um, their dog is really quite old or really quite sick. And, and then that's what pushes them. So it would be interesting trying to work out what those stumbling blocks are from my point of view and seeing if that's something that I could put, put forward for my clients and maybe, help them realize that they don't have to wait for this and this and this and this. Yeah. Um, and it's worth doing. Absolutely. And there, one other thing there is, and ask yourself, well, what would, what would be the magic thing that would make me want to hire someone? Mm-hmm. You know, would it be someone reminding me that, you know, um, that you've, you've had a, a lot of animals in the past and that you wish you had photos of them. And so why not get the, you know, the photo done now? Would it be, um, someone b- uh, blogging about how they make their clients look good and how they know that, you know, they have self-consciousness about this or that, but, you know, they might even like ask permission from a client to share, you know, their experience. Like I was concerned about how I was going to look. I thought I need to lose weight, blah, blah, blah. But look at the photos and they're gorgeous. Um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things that you could you could implement as a result of asking yourself, like, what would be the thing that would make me realize? Um, so you're sort of offering the service that you wish you had yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's such great advice. Well, thank you mm-hmm. so, so much for coming on, Jenica. I'm like, this is, there's, my mind is buzzing now. Oh, thanks. Before we let you go, um, Jenica, sorry. Um, 
Is there some place in particular you would like the listeners to find you? Like, are you, you know, do you want them sent to your blog or do you want them sent to your Instagram or? Okay, so I can send you the landing page for my ebook, How Clients Make Decisions About Money, um, because that's the main way I interact with people is through my email list. Your emails are so fantastic. It's one of the thank only you. email lists I've never unsubscribed from. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That means a lot. Thank you. Um, I'm conscious of you having your little family waiting for you and we don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, but I think this has just been such a fantastic interview. I highly recommend all of our listeners um, heading over to Psychology for Photographers, even just the um, – I haven't done the Irresistible You yet, but I will be doing that because everything that you do is fantastic and I find it so helpful. Um, so – yeah, beautiful. We will do a official little outro once we say goodbye to you, but I just wanted to say thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. Um, okay, on that note, I'll stop fangirling. Thank you so much. Perfect. Thank you so much, and good luck with your new podcast. Yay! Bye! <laughs> that was Jenica of Psychology for Photographers. There was tons of information in there about injecting personality into your business and we can't wait to hear what changes you make based on what you've learned. We have all the links and resources that Jenica mentioned, including everything in her toolbox to success in our show notes for this episode. So just visit thepetphotographersclub.com slash podcast slash three. Next week, we're going to be diving deeper into the subject of hiring a photographer yourself. Um, Kirstie's looking at doing that herself at the moment. So basically what she's learning through that process. And as we mentioned in that interview just now with Jenica, what's sort of stopping me? And we both want to see how we can learn from that process for ourselves. That's in our members only episode. So if you're not yet a pro member of the Pet Photographers Club, don't forget that you can join today and you'll get your first month free. Club membership gets you access to our mastermind group on Facebook, the fortnightly deep dive, the Q&A, plus exclusive discounts and all sorts of other things, um, all for just $10 a month. So head on over to thepetphotographersclub.com to find out more. (laughs) And that's everything for today. Thanks so much for tuning in. And as always, Caitlin and I wish you all the success in your business. May your clients be happy, your business be successful, and the dogs not pee on your camera bag. (laughs) Bye. Bye.